0: Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 81 of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporters Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and today it's incredibly special to have with me Taraji P. Henson, one of the most talented and popular actresses working today. The 45-year-old first crossed most people's radar back in 2005 when she starred as Shug, a mousy prostitute who finds her voice in Craig Brewer's Hustle and Flow. She then made a similar impression in an even bigger movie, David Fincher's The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, in which she played the caretaker of a reverse-aging Brad Pitt and received an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. But her biggest role by far has been that of Cookie Lyon, the matriarch of a complicated music industry family in Lee Daniels' Empire, one of the highest-rated shows on television, for which she's received a Best Actress in a Drama Series Golden Globe Award and now back-to-back Emmy nominations as well. Over the course of our conversation, Henson looks back at the remarkable arc of her life. From humble beginnings in Washington, D.C., she went off to Howard University to study drama. During her junior year, she became pregnant. And though the baby's father did not remain in the picture, she remained committed to both the child and her career, working multiple jobs and ultimately moving to Los Angeles by herself in order to give both their best shot. It was in Los Angeles that she first caught the eye of John Singleton, who became a champion and mentor over the course of her career, which she juggled with substitute teaching and other jobs for many years. Even when she became an Oscar nominee, things did not change overnight. In fact, the phone barely rang. It was only once she heard from Daniels, who had years earlier sought her for a part in Precious, that she found a project in Empire that set her on the path to stardom for good. We're going to be hearing a lot from Henson throughout the rest of 2016. She'll attend the Emmys in September. In October, her memoir, Around the Way Girl, will hit bookstores. And in December, she will play the main character in one of the most anticipated films of the Oscar season, Ted Melfi's Hidden Figures, which hits theaters on Christmas Day. This is one of the most powerful and inspirational conversations we've featured on this podcast with a terrific actress who's constantly getting better. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Let's go to it.
1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather
0: slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Raji, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Hey,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. To begin with, just before we get down to... Serious business, I've gotta ask you. It's such a beautiful name. What's the backstory?
1: Oh, I'm a seventies kid and mm-hmm. you know back in the seventies it was very black pride, mm-hmm. power to the people, and my dad was very much that and wore dashikis and jean fly jean. He dressed like shaft. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was very Afrocentric back then and he decided to give me an African name and it's Swahili. Mm-hmm. So Taraji means hope, penda means Love, that's my middle name.
0: And the middle initial, you know, we're used to it with the guys, Michael B. Jordan, Samuel L. Jackson, but for you, it was important to keep it in there?
1: Yeah, because everybody kept saying, you should just go by Taraji. I was like, but my name means so much. Like, <laughs> I said, Taraji means hope and Swahili. Pinda means love in Swahili. And Henson, I'm related to Matthew Henson, who co-discovered the North Pole. Wow. So, my name is very important. Yeah. To me.
0: <laughs> so now, where were you born and raised, in, and what did your folks do for a living?
1: I was born and raised in Washington D.C. My mother migrated from the South, North Carolina, with all her siblings, basically, and she started at a old, well, it's defunct now, but it was Woodward and Lothrop. Okay. And she started in the basement. She put price tags on merchandise, and she worked her way up the corporate ladder until she got her own office. Wow. And, she was a manager and had employees under her. And then my father was a metal fabricator. He was a private contractor. And then the Reagan era, they remember that. Yeah, if you, Yeah, if you didn't have a government job, you literally lost your job. Yeah. But, you know, smart that he was talented because he could put bars on windows and he had a little side hustle. But there was a point where he became homeless <laughs> during the Reagan yeah. administration. But I watched him work his way back up. So I come from a family of hard workers. So I'm never allergic to hard
0: Work. Yeah. In terms of the roots of your interest in a career in show business mm-hmm. or whatever, I, I tried to read a lot of your past interviews and profiles to prepare for this. And one of the things that I came across was when times were tough with your mom, you were actually there as sort of the pick me up saying, you know, just give it a little time. I'm going to be there. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. I would always tell her, you know, when I saw her stressing over bills that is she brought this up to me, that I would come over to her and be like, Mom, don't cry. I'm going to be really rich one day. (laughs) And even in my high school senior picture, you know, they had three captions under your photo. And it was your favorite saying, your nickname, and where did you see yourself in the future? And mine was to be famous. (laughs) And this was after I was declined entry to a high school of fine arts. This is when I still didn't know what I was going to do with my future, but my spirit was telling me I was going to be famous. I didn't know. At that point, I didn't think I could act because I didn't get into my school, you know?
0: So that was a big moment in your life. But after that, for a little while, you went in a very different direction, right?
1: (laughs) 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 Electrical engineering. (laughs) I don't even know why I chose that. I am so not wired. I still count on my fingers. I'm not ashamed to say it. (laughs) Don't judge me. Look. I know I wasn't meant to be a mathematician. That semester (laughs) (laughs) proved my theory right. (laughs) I failed pre-calculus. That's the class that sets you up for all the math to come. (laughs) Yeah, well, clearly I wasn't supposed to do that. And I called my dad crying. And he was like, that's what you get. You needed to fall on your face. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Go back up here and enroll at Howard and get into acting. You know that's what you're supposed to be doing. But it took me that detour in my life to be as serious as I am about it. Like, I... Do not take this craft for granted. I went when I made up my mind to go study the craft of acting. That's all I did. People come to me all the time. You went to Howard? Did you know so and so? Let me tell you my first Howard homecoming. This is after my success. They called me back. Mm-hmm. What is it when you're well, the like, matre d, the whatever yeah, like of the, the parade, queen or whatever, queen right, or Yeah. Of homecoming, they yeah. wanted me to do that. That yeah. was my first time going to a Howard homecoming. Really? I stayed in the theater department the entire time I was there.
0: And you did see a number of people come through and go on to success, right? So yeah. it was a model for you in a sense.
1: And they would always come back and reach back and talk to us. Ozzie Davis and Ruby D, mm-hmm. Felicia Rashad and Debbie Allen, Lynn Whitfield. I mean, they always came back and giving us hope, you know, showing us that, oh, you can train here and go off and make a living. Like if we didn't have those examples, Who's to say I would have ever made it to Hollywood? Right. You know, because it was easy to go to New York and stick to theater. Right. But not to say that theater is a small way of thinking, but, you know, I'm a single mother now at right. this point in my life. And theater checks ain't going to cut it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that because I think so it's junior year. You find out you're pregnant. Yes. For a lot of people, particularly ambitious people, that could have thrown them for a loop. Like now I have to go and do a practical, a more practical profession than, yeah. you know, acting's a long shot. Why did why do you think that you were able to still persevere through that?
1: I never saw my family, my parents ever fall and not get up. All obstacles were, were stacked up against them, and they still made it. So I didn't have examples of failure, even failure, my dad being homeless and him telling me every day, I'm going to get this back, I'm going to get this back, and I watched him do it. So fear is not in my vocabulary, and that's because of the people who raised me, you know, I just, I don't scare easy. <laughs> I didn't, it's all in how you look at things, too. It's all your perception because. I didn't look at it as something wrong, right? You know, women are supposed to have babies. (laughs) That's what we do. We, we procreate. You know, I was very in love with his father. There was no mistake. My child was made out of love. I consciously made a decision, both of us to, that it wouldn't be good for us to be together. Just like if we had gotten married, it's the same thing. When you come to a mutual agreement that, you know what, maybe we're better. uh, so, So I knew exactly what I was doing, and I looked at it as, wow, this will keep me focused. I couldn't imagine going to Hollywood without my son.
0: Well, let's talk about this move, because basically you graduate, you have your baby, you have mm-hmm. a lot of student debt, you don't have a specific job offer. No. So how do you— I didn't
1: even have a manager or agent. I had nothing.
0: So, So making the move to L.A., just how did that even work? And then when you got out to L.A., what sort of a life was it?
1: The way I looked at it is okay. Let me just go out here and set up camp. Let me just plant my feet, get plant some roots. You know, plant the seeds yeah. and then build from there. I'm a survivor. So I know how to get a job. I know how to pay the bills. You know, I didn't grow up getting evicted. I didn't grow up with the lights not on. I didn't grow up. There was not one time the phone wasn't on, the lights weren't on, and there wasn't a hot meal on the table. Like, I don't care if my mom lived from check to check. There were the bare necessities that she gave me, and it was to the point where I didn't even realize how bad she was doing because I had Holly, Hobby, everything in my bedroom (laughs) and all the toys I ever wanted. You know, I just didn't see the struggle. But I saw her work hard art. And so that's in me. And I knew that all I had to do when my father asked me, how do you expect to catch fish on dry land? Here you are with a degree in acting and you're in DC. There are no acting jobs here. You need to go to LA. That's where the jobs are. Just like I worked my way up in Howard University, mm-hmm. in the eyes of all the people who meant anything to theater, and they started trusting me, like, seeing my talent. I said, I did it at Howard. You know, they're still talking about the plays I did mm-hmm. at Howard. I said, if I, have, if I go to Hollywood with that same mindset, I'm going to make it. And that's just what I did.
0: Now but when you got out here though under those circumstances it, it's got to have been a tough transition at least at first right I mean I've read that you were like a lot of actors that are trying to make it you were doing a lot of other jobs too mm-hmm. right receptionist teacher
1: Receptionist and then After a while, I started working. So I did the reception thing for like a year and a half, and I was very depressed. I cried a lot because I was like, I'm going backwards. Mm -hmm. This is how I put myself through college. So I snatched my son up, and I moved 3,000 miles away to go backwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, See, when you change your perception, your life changes. I mean, I can't tell you how simple that. It sounds so simple, but it really, really works. I hated my job. But until I changed my attitude and learned how to be happy where I was, I wasn't going to grow. If you're not happy where you are, you're not going to be happy where you're going. You're just a person that's never satisfied. So I literally changed my perception about where I was. And I said, you know what? This is a part of me growing into who I'm going to be in this industry. My father would always say to me, see yourself on the other side of it. Everything you're doing right now, you're just going through the motions because you're already over there. (laughs) You're already the greatest actress alive." If I grew up hearing this. My father planted those seeds in me. So how was I not to succeed? (laughs) I started dressing myself up, being appreciative of this job I had. I was able to pay for my son's you know, school Mm -hmm. and this and that and the third. So be happy. And soon as I did that, I met my manager and then I started booking gigs. And then there was a point where, you know, I wasn't working. So I was like, I can't go back to reception. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, well, you have this BFA. No one in the industry seems to care about it. How can (laughs) I use it? Substitute teaching. The money was good Mm -hmm. and I was able to play. Then it was able for me to get a little wiggle room. Then I think I booked like baby boy or something. And so then that was it for the you know, substitute teaching. Right. I had to make candles one year. <laughs> I did a lot of things. I can make it happen, though. I yeah. know how to pay the bills. No, clearly.
0: <laughs> so, to set the scene for Baby Boy, your first movie, which was a John Singleton movie, you were just going to an acting class and timing was right or something? Was that.
1: No, 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 no. That's not how it happened. Okay. I was taking a Bill Duke acting boot camp. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all of his list of Hollywood directors, he had come in and talked to us and actors. Denzel was one. John Singleton yeah. happened to come in. And I just remember, he remembers the non-encounter we had. <laughs> but I just saw everybody in the class running up to him. And I was like, I'll see him, and he'll remember my talent. Like, I'm not right. going to go over there and, like, talk, what are we talking about? Right, like, right. you know, I'm a fan, yeah, but he, who needs another fan? Right. And he remembered that. He was like, I remember you. You were the one that didn't come over to me. And it wasn't even like I was trying to accomplish anything. Right. I was just like, I'm not going to waste his time by blowing more smoke. I mean, right, he's incredible. Right, right, yeah, right. we all know. And so then, baby boy, the audition comes along, and I go in. And I go in for the casting director, Kim Harden. And she was like, wow, you're really good. I'm going to bring you back for John. And so I go in and I read for John. And he was like, wow, you're really natural. Where are you from? And we start talking. And he's like, I remember you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, Bill Duke class. And I'm like, we didn't even speak. He said, I know. That's why I remember you. That's true.
0: That's <laughs> Who knew that was working? It yeah, wasn't
1: that's... even like, "Ooh, I have a plan. Right. Now you can just
0: <laughs> ice queen everybody now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So... But that's that's life, right? When you don't care about it, it comes yeah. to you. Isn't that crazy? That's great. That's every big job I ever got, like Benjamin Button. Remember that? I was oh, we're coming a, to. It. We're uh, coming right? to it. <laughs> so, but that theory works. If you let it go, it comes back.
0: But now, so you have this movie. To you and Tyrese, movie does <laughs> mm-hmm. really well. Great reviews for yourself, and then three years of like kind of back to. I, that's when I
1: started making candles, because <laughs> I was like, now I can't go back. To- like, how do you explain that? That's the business, that's the nature of the beast. I mean, you take the good with the bad. I never let it deter me, it's just, you know, you gotta wait for your season. And I always had my father saying to me, your season is coming, just don't worry about it, just keep doing what you're doing. And because I'm such a creative person, like, if I'm not on a, on a stage or doing something, I will shrivel up and die. I am that kind of artist. I have to be doing. Like Prince, I don't care if he's performing to five people, 20 people, 10, 10, 10,000. He's always gonna sound check 10 times. You're gonna get the same performance if it's just 10 people in the room as opposed to me. That's how I am. Like I love the craft of acting and I have to do it. And so whenever I didn't work, I was on Santa Monica Boulevard, somewhere at a 99 seat theater. Not because I needed agents or just for me, for my soul. When I left Person of Interest, the first thing I did was I went to do theater in Pasadena. Who expects anybody to come to Pasadena? <laughs> this Sorry. is not a theater-oriented town. No, no, no. People don't go to the theater no. in California. They no. just really don't. And so I challenged myself because I found myself stagnant. And I really had a bad taste with television. And I just was like... I feel like I don't wanna do this anymore. And I'm the type of artist that if I ever get in that headspace, it's time to retire because I'm not servicing the craft, I'm not servicing the audience, the fans, the character, the work get out right. there's somebody else that would love to do this right <laughs> and so I was feeling like that but then I'm too young and I haven't even really I'm just scratching the surface yeah. and so I was like you know what let me go back to my roots let me go back to theater and let me challenge I need a good challenge right mm-hmm. now and I never a starred above the title of any play I was always great as chorus mm-hmm. you know so that was a challenge and then when I saw that audience fill up every night are you talking people coming from Crenshaw, Watts, Hollywood? Who drives? <laughs> Who drives to Pasadena if you don't right. live close by for theater <laughs> well, on a weekday? Yeah, the theater made all of their money back in the two preview nights. That's Everything else was extra. That's great. Yeah. So I'm. The, I said all of that to say that that's how married I am to the craft. Totally. Like I have to. Ooh, I have to do something. <laughs> so,
0: so the way you kind of came out of that drier period was yeah. actually again, kind of comes back to John Singleton, right? Because when we talk about this part in Hustle and Flow where Mm -hmm. basically this was the first movie written or directed by Craig Brewer. This was this case where Terrence Howard was pushing for Megan Good, I Mm -hmm. think. You had- (laughs) She was pushing
1: for everybody but me. Right.
0: You had only two movies under your belt and Mm -hmm. yet it came together. Why did it work out?
1: I have no, that was God. Because let me tell you, I was on a (laughs) television show. I was on The Division for Lifetime at the time. They were not letting me off. I was calling John, like, oh my God, please, I'm um, flying me and we can do it on the weekends. We can... And just so happened, luck, as luck would have it, or God, I, mm-hmm. I say God, mm-hmm. the studio, the last studio that they went to, didn't give them the money. So then it became an independent thing. Right. So they had to push when I was done with the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now, <laughs> for whatever my opinion is worth, I think the moment where you kind of became a star was when we see Shug listening to herself for the first time, that scene. Can you take people back to that? Did you realize that was something special going on? Because, again, for people who need to catch up or they need a refresher, this is a pregnant prostitute Mm -hmm. who is not even aware that she's talented, and this is when she's hearing her own voice for the first time.
1: Yeah, who's not even aware that she even has a voice? Right. Remember, she was the quiet little skittish mouse, you know? yeah. And for the first time, she literally heard her voice. And I'm not just saying singing, but the fact that she had power in her voice. Who knew? I didn't know. (laughs) I mean, I read the script. I feel like that's a special moment, but you never know how the audience is going to receive it. And I don't watch myself during the process. I can only watch myself when it's the finished product, color corrected, music, everything with an unbiased audience. That's the only way I can watch myself.
0: So you only saw that at the very end? The
1: very, when we went to Sundance, right. that was my first time seeing it.
0: This movie goes and takes off, it's song gets nominated for, for an Oscar, you then are scheduled to go and sing with 36 Mafia, who end up winning. <laughs>
1: they were sitting behind me and I turned around, and I said, fellas, just be glad we made it this far. Right. You know, this Dolly Parton, they owe her, right. they owe her. Right. So you know, just be glad you're here. Right." And they were like, yeah, it's just cool to be here. You know, we're just happy. Right. You know, we're going to go to the parties. Like, no one saw it coming. <laughs> and then when Queen Latifah said, everybody knew it was like, what?
0: Now, but for you, though, to even get crazy. up there and perform that night with them must have been a really tough thing because you had just also gone through a very tough personal thing, right?
1: Yeah, I lost. I just lost my dad three weeks before that performance. And it was devastating because this is the man who told me my entire career, you're going to win an Oscar for something because mm-hmm. you're good. You're the best. You're the greatest. I mean, this is all I heard all of my life. And here I am getting to the place. The point, you said this. I didn't, Who's I never said I'm going to go to Hollywood and win an Oscar. That's not even how I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think awards. I just don't. Yeah. I think work, 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 you know. And so here I am. I finally made it to the big show and he doesn't get to see. I mean, it was just, I had to compartmentalize my pain to get through it because I knew he wanted me to get through yep. it. But it That's why you always treat people with kindness because we all have a pain we're carrying and you just... You don't know. Like person cut you off on the street, let them go. Forget all that road rage. You don't know what they just heard. You don't know somebody. They're not thinking. It's not about you that cut off. You know, there's some cut offs where they do it. and They give you the finger, <laughs> and you blast his ass, but <laughs> or not because people are crazy. Right? <laughs> but you know, you know, sometimes give people the benefit of the doubt because through the those smiles, you don't know what tears lie behind the smiles. You know, it's just always. Good to be nice.
0: We all know you've reunited with Terrence on Empire, which was ten years after Hustle and Flow. But that reunion was supposed to happen a lot sooner, right? Was it? Well, wasn't what was talked to me about?
1: Oh, yeah, he brought talk to me to me, and then I'm like, wait, what happened? (laughs) Because
0: he just kind of like fell out of it, or I
1: I can't even remember. I think he something else came up. I can't remember.
0: But that was a big one. You said that's one of your favorites, so it ended up being. You and Don Cheadle. Yes, who I've
1: always wanted to work with. So that was like a, that was a win-win, whether it was Terrence or it was a win-win.
0: And a a big movie. But then the place where you didn't even give yourself a chance of it happening was Benjamin Button, right? Because I think you had other plans that you were kind of annoyed that this was going to even interfere with your plans. It was
1: on a Saturday. I mean, like, don't you people go home? (laughs) <laughs> it's Saturday. Right. You know, by this point I'm seasoned. I know how the politics work mm-hmm. in the industry. So I never take auditions really too seriously. It's like, okay, you're calling me in, but right now I know you have an offer out to this big day, this big name, and this big name. <laughs> no, if they all turn it down, then yeah. maybe you'll get to us, right. the ones that are on tape. You know? <laughs> so I don't take it, you know, I'm like, right. and by this point I'm like I'm doing well. I have my first house now. Mm-hmm. We're living good. Mm-hmm. So the struggle isn't as hard mm-hmm. anymore. So, you know, I'm not, I'm like, they're auditioning me. This is the third character on the call sheet. You got Brad Pitt. You got Kate Blanchett. They want Halle Berry. They don't want me. You know what I mean? So I'm going on about, I go, I do it, whatever. How you doing, right. for And so when I go in to meet with Lorraine, she puts me on tape. I walk in and she's crying and I'm like, Okay, someone didn't take their medicine.
0: Today. <laughs> this is the casting director, Lorraine Mayfield. casting director,
1: Lorraine La- 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 Mayfield. She casts all of his films. Right. And she's like, oh my God, your talent. And I can't remember. Oh, it was Hustle and Flow. Unbeknownst to me, she'd seen Hustle and Flow. She had already called David Fincher and said, I found Queenie. <laughs> and who knew? Like who-
0: years earlier.
1: Yes. Who knew? So I come in and she's like in tears. And she's like, oh my God, you're working. I'm like, okay, whatever. So then I do, I read it and whatever. I'm, I already have talked to me, booked. I'm leaving in two weeks. Right. I don't care. Right. Whatever. Y'all gonna go with Hallie, whatever. That's <laughs> that's literally how I was thinking. And I... the whole time I'm reading, I'm trying to think in my mind, is everything ready for the garage sale? Everything. <laughs> so I leave, I go home. I think nothing of it. I'm done. I'm ready for this garage sale. You don't understand. I turned my kickboxing bag into a Anakin.
0: You weren't messing. Around. I had
1: wig heads, and it, I mean, it was serious. This right. garage sale was going down, <laughs> and I get a call that night as I'm fixing all my little last little fixings, getting it perfect. Right, champagne so I can get everybody drunk and take all my money. <laughs> and I get the call from my agent. Yeah, David Fincher wants to see you tomorrow. And I'm like, why? It's Saturday. I have a garage. I'm sorry, I'm not going. I think it was my manager called. And was like, if you don't close that damn garage door, get it gets. <laughs> So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so who are the usual suspects I'm going to see on this great fine Saturday? I'm like grumpy the whole time going there. I'm like (laughs) cursing the moon and the stars. So I get there and I see two cars on the lot and my car. And I'm like, I must be early. They must spacing us apart. I get in and it's so lackadaisical. It's just LaRae Mayfield and David Fincher in there. Literally waiting for me. So I go, hi. (laughs) And they're like, Hey. LeRae's like basically I told him you know you can go with her or you can go through all of these so here we are and I'm like (laughs) then I got serious right then it was very serious and so then I'm reading with David Fincher he said I just want to see you know I don't have it doesn't have to be like a full-on thingy I just want to see you know how you grasp the material so we do the first scene and he's like huh Then I do the second scene and he's like Have you ever been in prosthetics before? (laughs) So in my mind, I'm thinking, is he telling me I got the job? (laughs) (laughs) So basically it went like that. And literally, LeRae, I mean, he trusts her. He didn't even know who I was. He hadn't even seen Hustle & Flow. And she was telling me that or was it him telling me that she came in and I thought she was nuts? Like, she put in your DVD and I, she started crying. And I'm looking at her like, what the hell is wrong with you? Right. And he was like, she said, you'll see, you'll see. And then I watched it and I was like, wow, I see. You know?
0: <laughs> that's so. the way to get the best <laughs> So in this part, you had to age from 26 to 71. Yeah. Which means you did spend a lot of time in the makeup chair. I did. Very early in the morning. Yes,
1: like 3 o'clock in the morning.
0: For, for like 3 hours or so? Yeah and a lot of prosthetics and all that, but makeup can only do so much, and I know that you wanted to really figure out how do I talk and move and whatever in all these different ages. Was there a key to figuring that out?
1: I looked at the women in my family. You know, My mother has five sisters. I have great-aunts that are still alive. I have my grandmother. So I had a woman in every age group to look at, and it was interesting because the family reunion fell on the The perfect time. It was right before I was getting ready to go into the uh, Benjamin Button and I was doing my research. And I was like, whoa. And it was in the South. It was at my grandmother's house. Like timing is everything. Like I couldn't have planned my life better. I really couldn't have. So I had them all to look at. And I was like, wow, the one thing I noticed, none of them talked about age or aging. They just did it. You know, they just did it. They just lived their lives. No one was in the mirror like, "Oh, I got a wrinkle one, a green." <laughs> you know, they just gracefully aged. But then I think for me it was more the physicality, you know. And I was like, "Well, what, what, what are her ailments? Like, where the breakdown? Where is the breakdown mm-hmm. coming from for her?" And then that's when I started to research. And, you know, she was a very physical woman. I mean, she's helping elders, elderly people get dressed and lifting them up and, you know, bathing them. And so that's a lot of bending over, hunchback. Where does the breakdown? I chose to make it in her elbow. You know, you get arthritis somewhere. So the older she got, that hand just kept shrinking. You know, you just write, you write and write and write and you create, you create, and you write all this backstory and you just commit to it.
0: Right. (laughs) Well, so now comes time to do the movie You're in a movie with Brad Pitt. Yeah. But you're his mother, and most of the scenes aren't actually with Brad Pitt, even though that's the way it comes out looking, right? Right. How did it actually work?
1: They hired actors of various sizes, three different sizes, to represent him, his aging process. And they literally had on a blue stocking cap, like, and their little face just, and they had like little X's and O's all over their face and head. (laughs) And that's literally what I had to act. And they were brilliant. Yeah. Like, they were really good. They gave me something. It wasn't just like bodies, they were <laughs> actors. And, you know, the first time I had a scene with Brad was when he came back from the war. That was the first time wow. I was in an actual scene with Brad Pitt. Wow. Which was like maybe one or two scenes in the movie.
0: Amazing. (laughs) So one would assume that an Oscar nomination, which you got for that performance, would lead to tons of new opportunities. Mm -hmm. But
1: I wasn't crazy enough to believe that. But go ahead.
0: Okay. so now here's an interview from around that time, which I found just like mind blowing. You said, quote, I can't wait to write my memoir someday, which you have now done (laughs) coming out October 11th. (laughs) So I can't wait to write my memoir someday and talk about this moment in my life. My name is being bounced around the Oscars, Golden Globes, and all these awards. It's incredible. And I don't have a job. Nothing.
1: (laughs) I remember (laughs) that. So,
0: like, what happened?
1: Well, I mean, you know, people believe this myth that once you've been nominated or you win an Oscar, that your career is going to somehow mysteriously change. Well, we know that we can name a ton of actors and you'll be like, they won an Oscar? What? What happened to them? I didn't see them since 1976. (laughs) You mean, you know, because I don't put a lot on awards, you know, because it can be political. You know, it's either your season and your time to shine or it's not. You know what I mean? So, because we know the history of watching these awards, the best performance does not always win. So, I never put that on it. I never, I never even expected to be nominated. I don't put that kind of pressure on my work. I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm there to serve the character and somehow, hopefully, prayerfully change a life or Mm -hmm. touch somebody Mm -hmm. or something through my work. That's what I'm there for, not to win awards. That's not my business. If the industry feels like that was a great performance, I go along with it. Right. But I'm never there to, with my speech, <laughs> I think. You know, that's why whenever I win, it's always like a, because I don't right. go thinking. I mean, that's a hell of a talent that I'm always up for. It's against.
0: good improvisation to be handing out cookies and stuff <laughs> to you. That was good. <laughs> At the Globes. I mean, they were there. Yeah, Why not? <laughs> So you were surprised to be nominated after this happens, though, when there's not a lot of offers. The, the one that did come that you went for that you liked was the first lead, basically, you'd had, right?
1: Well, you talking about uh, the Tyler Perry? Yeah. Well, that's all who called. Yeah. I mean, you know, the myth is. Ooh, you get nominated for an Oscar, you win an Oscar, all of these directors are going to be calling you. Well, I didn't believe that either. It was crazy because it was a crazy, 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 Taraji, Taraji's a superstar, (laughs) this and that, the other. And as soon as the Oscars was over, I was in bed like...
0: Yeah, come to me, yeah. The phone
1: isn't ringing. (laughs) What's happening? You know, it's like this high and then the low. You know, and then I get a call from Tyler Perry and he gave me a quote. I didn't have a quote until then. Yeah. He gave me a quote he treated me like I should have been treated yeah. at the time. He tre- rolled out the red carpet. I had my own trailer up until then. I never had my own trailer. I was always in a two banger or a yeah. triple banger, you know. And he like opened the doors to no, this is how Taraji P yep. Henson should be treated in the industry. And he set that up for me. And
0: by the way, you delivered. This was an eight million dollar budget, and it opens at number one, mm-hmm. gross fifty one million. We should say this is I can do bad all by myself. So. That happens. So this period between Benjamin Button and Empire, that happens. Taken from me, the Tiffany Rubin story, you get an Karate Emmy Kids. nomination.
1: Booked, oh, yeah. Who even saw that coming? <laughs> I was lying in bed right? face down sleep, <laughs> And my phone kept zzz, Right. Zzz, and I'm like, what the hell? I mean, did somebody die? <laughs> so I look at it as Twitter. Like, right? what? And they're congratulating me. Congratulating me for what? <laughs> and they go, Emmy, Emmy for what?
0: Then you remember.
1: For life, <laughs> lifetime? Who saw that kind?
0: Right, right.
1: Somebody just has been paying attention to my work and just was like, she deserves it yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah. You know, I don't know. No, so <laughs> all these crazy. good things,
0: you mentioned Cry Kid, they're all happening. <laughs> but then the funniest thing, because I didn't know about this until I was preparing, you knew Lee Daniels way before Empire. Yeah. And the reason was why?
1: We hung out in New York before I auditioned for him or anything, we hung out. And Lee is just one of those people that you can get along with, you know? And then he called me in for Precious, Mm -hmm. but he was interested in me being the teacher. This is
0: the Paula Patton eventually played.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't like he offered the role to me. He called me in to read, but I wasn't interested. I mean, if you read the script, you know what the the, the superstar character, the character, the meaty character. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a character actress, so I'm like with the right wardrobe, hair, makeup, fat suit, whatever, I can do it all. Right.
0: So you're wanting to play, you want to be
1: precious. precious. <laughs> Me and Gabba sitabe laugh about this to this day. <laughs> she thinks I am nuts. And I was like, thank God I didn't get my way because the world would not have come to know you. She's true. an incredible woman and an amazing talent.
0: So that didn't work out, but no, now it did work out. <laughs> after you just recently had left the CBS series Person of Interest, as you were talking about earlier, you now get the script for Empire, I guess, and you're in Japan or something?
1: No, Lee was in Japan doing press for the Butler. Okay, okay. And I was on stage re- right. resisting reading the script. Right, like my right. manager kept saying, Read the script and I was like, No, nah, I hate T V. Leave me alone. <laughs> I haven't played it right. though. And so I was happy on that stage, and I was getting literally $5. I know, that's that's insulting, but literally, coming from what I was making on primetime network television, it was $5. By the time I paid everybody, and Uncle Sam, literally, (laughs) lunch. So, (laughs) so, I was happy, and he kept pressing me to read the script, and then I read it, and I was like, okay, it could work, but the only way it will work is if it's Terrence Howard. And then I got pissed because, you know, Fox, they were coming to the play, and they kept wooing me after the play, come outside, let us talk to you. (laughs) so, so finally, it was time to get serious about it. And then they said they had someone attached to it. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. How did this? You never said that. Yeah. So then at this point, I'm like, I don't have to do this show. Right. You know, because I really don't like TV anyway. Right, right. So again, it was one of those things that I, I wasn't attached to at all. Those right. are all the great jobs that I got in my career. I just didn't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I literally Skyped with the lead. And he was like, Sal, what do you think? What do you think about the script? And I was like... <laughs> It's good, Lee. And I I could see it working. I could see it working. I said, but if you want me, I can't see myself doing it without Terrence. I said, because this script will not work if Cookie and Lucius don't work. And that's a very specific, specifically complicated, complex relationship. And I know I can play with Terrence. I just know we... We can play with this. I know we could make this something. And I said, "That's who I'm interested in doing. If you can't make that happen, then I'm not interested." Blink, Close <laughs> the computer. It was guidelines to learn. Come on. I'm right, right. Carrying this play. Next thing I know, Terrence is attached, and I'm going in to read with Terrence. Chem- I said chemistry read with Terrence. Yeah. I mean, what do you yeah, mean well, to see us to have floor? sex on the <laughs> table? Like.
0: Right, right.
1: Chemistry. Yeah, it's
0: crazy. <laughs> So that comes together. And actually, I guess I'm just wondering, everybody today can say, Cookie, it's obvious this was a great character, but I think it's partly you you made it a great character. Did you Thank also, you. though, tap into it as in the sense that this is a mother who gave up a lot for her yeah. child, Absolutely. made a lot of sacrifices? You've said in interviews years ago before you ever got a chance to do sort of comedic stuff that, trust me, I'm better at comedy than drama.
1: I have you all fooled, but whatever. <laughs> Dramatic actors, <Right>, right.
0: <laughs> Well, that's the funny thing. It's in the drama category at all these awards. But I know. You're the, the funny the, stuff there. The
1: thing about it is, I grew up watching comedians Red Fox, Flip Wilson. Richard Pryor, yeah. Carol Burnett, Lucille Ball. I was drawn to funny. And maybe it was because my where I was grew yeah. up, it wasn't the happiest place right. in the world. And that was my escapism. I would stand in front of the TV and rock. I have Carol Burnett's box set. Like <laughs> Lucille Ball's box set. Right. Richard Pryor, every stand-up cut. Con- you know, I still to this day watch back to back to back Red Fox on Saffron and Sun. <laughs> to this day. That's all I watch. Right. But what I started to notice is that they were able to transition into dramatic roles very easily. Yeah. And what I noticed is that they brought another dimension that dramatic actors don't, because sometimes dramatic actors, they are just very serious. <laughs> Everything is very weighted to right. this <laughs> and that. But in life, we laugh and we cry, yeah. you know? And so the one thing that you could be laughing at two seconds later, you could be bawling your eyes on, be heard about it, you know? And that's life. And that's why I think dr- comedic actors do better at dramatic roles because they bring a sense of humor to something very serious. And that's what I've been able to do. And I think that's why people are drawn to my dramatic roles because in them, they are funny. And it wasn't until the Boston Legal producers saw that I was funny. I was like, you mean to tell me I'm here because you see that I'm funny? Oh, there is a God!
0: So that was really the first time right before Empire, right? Right. So with Empire now... Can you pinpoint why are people so obsessed with Cookie? Is it, I mean, is it the fashion? Is it the one-liners? Is it what she symbolically represents now? What is it to you that that is the secret sauce here?
1: I think it's a number of things, but I think the main thing that people are drawn to is that Cookie is unapologetic about her truth. She walks in it. She lives it. She breathes it. She doesn't apologize for her past. She doesn't make excuses. It is what it is when you're dealing with Cookie. And I just wish we lived in a world where people weren't afraid to be their true selves in in public. You know, just be you. Mm -hmm. Don't give a hell (laughs) about what somebody else thinks. Do you. Does that make you happy? Do you. (laughs) People going to judge you right. whether you are bold enough to be yourself or not. You will be judged, mm-hmm. right? That's what humans do. And guess what? Can't no human judge me. You <laughs> poop and pull your pants up the same like way. I, you know? Yeah, right. So I just think that that's why she's everybody's spirit animal because how bold, how refreshing to see someone right. who's not afraid of where they come from. Look, I may have started there, but look at where I am now. Right, right. You know, Absolutely. a weaker woman would have crumbled. That's true. How the hell did this woman spend 17 years in the orange jumpsuit and did not break her?
0: And it explains why she loves her nice clothes now.
1: <laughs> she had 17 years to brush up <laughs> on fashion. <laughs> so
0: what, for you, has there been a favorite one-liner? And do you get to improvise some of these at all?
1: Oh, yeah. The first time on television ever where I've been trusted, where they look for my input. Oh god, I that's why I hated television because I felt like it was so corporate. You have to you mean I have to say this even if if I say it like this is better than that? Right, right. You have to say it. <laughs> uh, And I'm a I'm a creative. Creativity yeah, should yeah. be free to be and ebb and flow and and if you allow the actor to help, sometimes I might bring you something that you didn't <laughs> see in the words you wrote, right. you know. And I think that's what we have on the set of Empire. It's a great pot of creative people. You know, all the producers are creative people. And so they, we trust each other. They know I know Cookie. I live with Cookie every night. When they're writing for all the characters, I'm living with Cookie. Mm-hmm. So I know her, and they know that, and they trust me. Because guess what? When I ad-lib, it works. I don't do it unless it's going to enhance right, right. what's already there. you Because then line. it becomes a scene about ad-libs. I guess Boo Boo Kitty, because that was the first <laughs> ad-lib ever, and it really took on booboo Kitty and girls walking around with their scouts going like goat ass, because <laughs> that's the voice of my father.
0: <laughs> so how would you say the part of Cookie has changed your life and career, you know, so far. It's still happening, but what's what's been the biggest change?
1: That... Okay, I won't go to the negative. <laughs> I hate Cookie, that bitch. stole my identity. Well, you know, I can't go anywhere without somebody calling me Cookie. That's... <laughs> but for me, would it prove that it, I just remember not understanding why I couldn't be in these big action films and these big films. Why are they telling me I can't well, black doesn't do well overseas. Black this, black that, black, black, black. And I'm like, I don't get it because I've traveled and people seem to love black culture everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what this myth is that black can't do. If music transits overseas, why can't my work? And so that's been the biggest triumph for me. The biggest win for me is when I went to Paris and it was like French people, all French speaking people. And they didn't know I was in the audience. It was a Q and a first I saw it with Lee cause they stood up, but you know, Lee's a director mm-hmm. and he's been all <laughs> over the globe with his movies. And so I didn't really get it until I stood up and it got to the cookie question. And Lee was like, well, why don't you ask her Taraji Roger now? The entire room stood up <laughs> and they were like, Whoa. <laughs> and I stood there and I'm looking at all of these faces that aren't black mm-hmm. that don't even speak my language. Mm-hmm. And I cried because I was like, I've been lied to. I mean, I get goosebumps every time I tell this story because it's just like anything. How do you know Tide works if you don't go out and sell it? Mm -hmm. Uh If the product is good, people will buy it. This is an all-black cast. What do you mean black don't do? I have more white people who, or other races walking up to me saying, right. oh, my God, Cookie is my spirit. Right. They don't even see race. Right. They identify with the subject matter. They, I, Hey, let me tell you something. When I go see a movie, do you do this? Do you go this weekend? I'm going to see a white movie. Um, you know, this weekend, I think I'm going to go see a black movie. No, I think this is a really good Chinese movie I want to see. You turn on your TV Mm -hmm. or you're in another movie and you see a trailer and it moves you or it doesn't. I don't care what color the people are. Either I identify with the story or something about the story is interesting and I want to see it. That's art. It's colorless. People identify with these characters. They don't see color.
0: I don't know. (laughs) I mean, and also how many other shows grew in their ratings in their first season every week, which was the case with you guys, which it's not only black audiences that are doing that. Obviously, as you're saying, it was a appealing to everybody. Past Big Bang Theory, top-rated show on Network. It was just all the stuff that that goes to what you're saying. But my last question is this. Leah said there might be a cookie spinoff in the future. I know another thing that's coming up probably a lot sooner than that is Hidden Figures, which (gasps) we're very excited about. And I just want to ask you about, you know, give people a little tease about that, because I, from talking with the the folks who I cover in this business, I know there's a lot of excitement about this. It's a movie coming out limited Christmas, I think, and then I hope wider. So. That's in what January. they
1: that's what we want because you know that's the whole Oscar. Uh-huh rush and I it know.
0: should be. But yeah. like what is it and, and why are you excited about it?
1: I am so excited about this film because who knew women were so instrumental in getting our men into space during the Cold War? Did you know that? I know. Did no you know idea. that? Did you know? <laughs> and so I get this script and come to find out there's all of these, not just black women, there were women computers. That's what they did. They did what IBM actually ended up coming in, building a computer mm-hmm. that could do it twice as fast as humans, but they were human computers. Who knew that? We even had human computers. <laughs> you know. So I'm always interested in, in new pieces of, of history that hasn't been told yet and whoa what an amazing story to know that this woman and her calculations these women were very instrumental in getting our men to space before Mm -hmm. Russia like again who cares about what color or gender or religion if we can just all pool together to stay focused on the goal America would be so much better off.
0: (laughs) Well, are you available to run for president this Uh, year?
1: I don't want that job. They come out with a lot of gray hair.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you.